Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Ask the Expert North Texas here on News Radio 1080 KRLD. I'm David Rankin. And I'm Kristen Diaz. And we are excited to introduce this afternoon Dr. Prakash Gada. He is with the Texas Health Resources, Texas Health Harris Methodist Hospital in Fort Worth in particular, to talk more about. Uh, national esophageal cancer and wanting to raise awareness about uh, something that can be uh, not even noticed until it's too late. Uh, Dr. Gata, explain to us how this type of cancer uh, is found in patients. Yeah, thank you, Kristen and David, for having me. I think this is uh, this month is Esophageal Cancer Awareness Month. I really appreciate you uh, highlighting this particular subject. It is not a cancer that is often heard about quite as much, although the rates and the incidence of esophageal cancer has been rising over the years. What has been more concerning for us in the, in the medical field is the rates of cancer on younger patients is going up. That's one of the great uh, most recent trends that we've noticed. So esophageal cancer uh, typically is cancer. It, it, the definition is cancer anywhere within the esophagus, which is this tube that starts from the back of your throat all the way down to the stomach. And the lowest aspect um, uh, part of the esophagus actually sits in the abdomen as opposed to the chest. The majority of the esophagus although sits or lives in the chest. The purpose of the function of the esophagus is, is to carry food down to the rest of the GI tract. So at the very bottom of the esophagus, is where there is a ring of muscle called the lower esophageal sphincter. It's a valve that we're born with. And for those of us who have acid reflux, uh, unfortunately, your valve has stopped working. The reason I bring up acid reflux is esophageal cancer, at least the most common type of esophageal cancer that we see today, um, is related to reflux or acid reflux is a huge risk factor. Um, to answer your question, how do you find it? It is usually found after patients have developed cancer and it's been now a few months or even longer sometimes, and the cancer is growing initially slowly and eventually to the point where it becomes difficult to swallow or to eat food. It first starts with uh, solid food and then eventually liquids. Uh, the reason it is a cancer that tends to be found late, or at least too late for some patients, but late for most patients. The typical uh, diagnosis is, is in stage three or stage four disease, stage four being the last stage, is because um, uh, we find ways to work around the problem. We eat differently, we eat more frequent meals or smaller meals, we tend to make the food more liquid or blender, uh, blenderize it. And a lot of these are very subtle and subconscious changes in our behavior because difficulty swallowing can have so many reasons. Uh, and the most common reason is not cancer. And um, over time within our human behavior and our, and our busy lives, uh, we, we adapt to this change not knowing what it is uh, and not knowing that this is something that we need to bring to the attention of our medical providers. So my goal is, and with conversations like this, is to bring awareness 
to patients who may or may not be having these symptoms. Um, when I do talks like this, um, I'm always, um, I interact with people who know of the cancer. It happened to their family member or they've heard of it within a friend. And they always look back and say, we wish we could have found it uh, earlier. Uh, esophageal cancer is currently <clears throat> has a very low or sort of significantly low survival rate. Only 20% of patients who are diagnosed with esophageal cancer today will be alive in five years. And believe it or not, this is actually significantly better than 20 years ago. There was a 5% survival rate. So we have made some progress in treating patients um, in, in, in developing um, protocols such as neoadjuvant uh, chemotherapy and radiation prior to surgery to shrink the tumor, eventually to do a surgery and eventually to do what we call adjuvant chemo. Uh, the most common pathway of treating esophageal cancer is through what we call the CROSS trial, which was this trial which around 10 years ago came out of the Netherlands and has found to have the highest survival of all our protocols. It involves integration with our radiation oncologist, our medical oncologist, the surgery group, presenting this to surgical tumor board, and also with so many other members of the team, radiology, nurses on the floor, surgical team, OR. It is a huge undertaking to treat the disease, a disease that is typically found um, later uh, in stage, also on a patient population that typically tends to be older and male. The average, these sort of the the standard diagnosis is around the age of 65 to almost 70. Although, as I said, over the last 10 years, we've seen a significant rise in the patient, a patient population in the age group in the 45 to 65 range. We call those the middle age population, of which I'm a part of at this point. But is, the point is, it's changing. Is this a, is this a condition that gets misdiagnosed or underdiagnosed by primary care physicians they don't they don't necessarily think to look for it yeah it's a very good question so if, i think there may be a component of that part of that is uh, part of my job and our job is to bring awareness not just to patients but also our colleagues in primary care the average primary care provider has a huge panel of patients and they have a lot of pressure on them to be able to provide access. They don't always have the, the ability to look into the symptoms, especially something as subtle as uh, abdominal pain or, dys, dys, uh, or dyspepsia, or like that's bloating and belching. Uh, a, a change, a, a very subtle change in, uh, in our ability to eat is oftentimes very, uh, very easily missed. And I would tell you that one of the things that makes this challenging, this particular cancer to discover early is because that there are no national guidelines as of yet on the screening for esophageal cancer, as opposed to colon cancer, where everybody at the age of 45 will have a covered screening colonoscopy, irrespective of your risk factors. You can have low risk factors or very high risk factors. And that happened through decades of advocacy at a national level until we finally got uh, CMS, the, the body that governs uh, Medicare to cover this and eventually that will percolate down to all private insurances. That has not happened with esophageal cancer. An easy way to discover this particular illness would be uh, to potentially do a screening upper endoscopy, which is the camera going through the other end at the same time at the age of 45. Um, I mean, to get that covered obviously will take uh, a lot of time and advocacy, um, but an intermediate step potentially, which would allow us to diagnose these cancers or discover them early or, or to prevent them would be 
define the patient population with the risk factors. So that would be patients who are overweight or obese or have a higher risk of uh, reflux or high, they're being treated for reflux for years. And also patients with risk factors. That means patients who um, are either actively smoking or have a history of smoking or a high degree of alcohol, alcohol intake or uh, patients with uh, uh, family history of esophageal cancer. Um, there are two types of, there are actually three types of esophageal cancer. The ones that we most often see are adenocarcinoma. This is the one associated with reflux. Um, squamous cell carcinoma is less frequently seen, whereas 20, 30 years ago is more frequently seen because it's more commonly associated with heavy smoking. And have the rates of, since the rates of smoking have gone down, so have the rates of squamous cell carcinoma. There's a third type, a far rarer form of cancer called leomyoma, leomyosarcoma, which presents differently. And, um, and that's sort of outside the scope of what we're discussing today. Adenocarcinoma is the one that uh, we tend to focus on, most frequently seen, and also within what we call a spectrum disease. It is the end result of years of acid reflux, which is why prevention is cure. And uh, one of the things we are addressing here at, at Texas Health Fort Worth is we are building and have built a comprehensive center or esophageal center where we address patients at an earlier stage of disease, including patients with acid reflux. It's far more common that I see patients today with acid reflux, with uh, disease that has been managed with medications, frequently not very well. Acid reflux medications themselves have risk factors such as osteoporosis and kidney failure and a whole bunch of pneumonias, a whole bunch of other things. So it is the medications that are now currently over the counter for acid reflux are also not without risk. Uh, we offer newer surgical treatments such as the transoral fund application that is building an acid reflux uh, valve without incisions as well as what we call a Lynx device, which is a ring of magnets in the lower esophagus, as well as a standard fund application. Everything we do is done robotically with the use of the latest technology. This is absolutely fascinating and um, definitely worth even more time. I've got so many more questions, but we are running out of time here. Dr. Prakash Gata with Texas Health Resources, thank you so much for the time and for educating us the, uh, about esophageal cancers. This is really fascinating. Thank you both for bringing awareness. Esophageal Cancer Awareness Month is April. Thank you. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 